any like common signs or symptoms, right? Let's say if I gonna right? Cancer. There are a few things that drive cancers forward. Wow. Huh? Okay. So my mom has stage four colon cancer, right? Uh, finger put up the bomb. <gasps> By the time we have some symptoms, right, it's too late already. Okay, so... Why are you hiding the cure for cancer? Yalo. This is your daily catch-up. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply. If rated PG. What's going on, Jared? So it turns out that more than 50% of our viewers are not subscribed to this channel, The Daily Catch-Up. Just spend one second, really, literally one second, hit that button and it'll help us so, so much. Please. All right. Back to the episode. This episode is sponsored by Pfizer. You might be wondering, who's that man beside me? Nobody okay. asked. <laughs> Dr. Ben is a senior consultant, medical oncologist. He's a cancer oh. expert, la, basically. Correct. Yeah. And he's here with us to share more about people's sentiments towards uh, cancer and health screening. Welcome to the show. Welcome, Ooh. Dr. Ben. Hello. I like how he has like pens as if he's doing a checkout. A on lot us of pens and yeah. highlighters. So. <laughs> Wait, do we call you Dr. Ben? Sorry. Yeah, so hi, my name is Ben. Please, please call me Ben, yeah. Oh, uh, not Dr. Ben. Ben. Uh, yeah. okay. ben is good. Ben is good. Yeah. Okay, Ben. Yeah. <laughs> How do your patients call you what? Um, many of my patients call me Ben. Oh, that's Ben. Uh. Okay, yeah. great. Yeah. Great, 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 great. Okay, let's start with a bit of introduction. Shum's hosting um, voice very strange. Hey, have you, have you had it. yours? Okay. <laughs> have you always wanted to be a doctor? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, have you always wanted to be a doctor? I, I think this is one of the most Typical question that's often asked uh, as an interview in medical school, mm-hmm. but it's and the answer. It, and, 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 and it continues to be asked even when you're a doctor for many many years. Uh, I'm gonna <laughs> say that many people want to be doctors from for whatever reasons, and um, and generally speaking, most people want to do a profession that can help. So it may not be doctor; it could be anything that's related to caring for another person. So mm. nursing, uh, paramedical work like uh, physiotherapy, occupational therapy. But so medicine um, is what I chose and a doctor is what I'm, I am now. So you considered to be a nurse before? Okay, so <laughs> the my mom's my mom's a nurse. Ah, yeah. okay. Uh, so my mom's a nurse. Oh, and, he runs uh, in a family. <laughs> so my dad's a doctor, right? So, uh, so my mom's a nurse. And when I was growing up, I think between dad and mom, I probably would have deferred to to dad's profession more than mom's. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah. How, wait, so they're doctor and nurse, so did they mean in the same hospital? Uh, <gasps> Ooh, juice. Love story. Uh, yes. Maybe it was a love story then, but uh, I, I'm gonna, I, I think that's where they met. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, nice. Yeah, my wife's a doctor. That's where we met. Uh, yeah, we were very anti-social creatures. Or we are very. Our circle of friends are usually quite anti-social. small. Anti-social. That's not what I gathered from Grace Anatomy. <laughs> things are happening in. Uh, uh, <laughs> different, uh, okay. Never mind. We move wait, on from there. Wait. So how do doctors flirt? 
<laughs> Just wanna know. Like you're so busy right, every day. Then what do you all do? Like what do you all talk about to get to where you are? Man, I tell you that question <laughs> caught me off guard. Okay, where do you I, meet your wife? In the hospital. Like say I department mean, that kind of. Uh, I mean, because we, we, we all work together. Oncologists so. also. Oh, no, no, no. no. Oh. I mean, we all started as general doctors first. Mm. And as we train, then we take different paths. But, uh, but yeah, you, you, generally meet peop- you generally meet who you, in the end, marry because of your working environment. We, we don't have a lot of time to do the, the, the rest of the stuff. So you either meet people in school... If not, then you meet people in workplace, and obviously some people meet people in in in, in church or etc. So ours is hospital then. I've always been curious, uh, like if like two doctors go on a date, right? Yes. And then like, has there ever been an instance like maybe it happens in TV before, but it's like suddenly got emergency call, then oh, we need I need to go. Okay, not so much when you are younger, when you are a young doctor. It happens more now that you are an older doctor because. Uh, so it has happened before. Though. I mean, we, our, I can't remember which anniversary we were sitting down having dinner and one hour into the dinner, I had to go back to the hospital. Uh-huh. Yeah. But your wife being a doctor, she will understand. She will be like, okay. Correct? The wife being the wife understands. Yeah. I'm not sure whether the wife being the doctor truly understands. What's, yeah. what's, her, what's her specialty? She, she's an infectious disease uh, doctor. Okay, yeah. okay. But she's in... Uh, COVID-19. <laughs> this, wow, <laughs> make it seem like we don't yes. know. Oh my yeah. God. There are a lot of many infectious diseases. Okay, okay, yes. I'm just saying. Yeah. Uh, uh, COVID is one of them, correct? Yes, <laughs> but but uh, her main interest is dengue. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> hey, so we had someone with an expert yeah. before. Yeah. Oh, dengue. we did, we did, we did. Yeah. No, I was just thinking, like, uh, would a good pickup line be, you give me premature ventricular con- <laughs> Contractions. <laughs> that's so romantic then. then. That may be the pickup line for a cardiologist. Okay, speaking <laughs> of specialties, right? Yeah, did a bit of research. Uh, your profile in your uh, website for Mount Elizabeth. Oh wow. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, is that your spec? Probably not written by me. Oh no. Yeah. But your subspecialty interest is in gastrointestinal cancers, mm. and something I've always been like curious about yeah. is like how do like oncologists like pick their what they want to specialize in. It's oh, like, does one guy like suddenly say like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm interested in the anus. Wait, before <laughs> that, can we just explain? Can we? Wait, can what? There has to be a doctor who has to look at that. No, can we just explain to the audience like what do <laughs> oncologists do? Okay, so oncology is a general term for cancer. Right. And there are different types of oncologists. You can be a surgeon, and that's called a surgical oncologist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, you can administer radiotherapy, and they are called radiation oncologists. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then finally, there are medical oncologists, which is what I do, where we administer traditionally treatment called chemotherapy, but that has now branched out to other forms of treatment that uh, that are also used to combat cancer. So. Speaking of finding solutions to cancer, right? So I read somewhere like online, like Reddit, right? Um, <laughs> there are some people the like they <laughs> hey, <laughs> there is some connection between sugar and cancer. So oh, like going to <laughs> he's gonna start rolling yeah. his eyes so no, hard, no, no. man. But I went, I really read really it through and like a bit, right? Oh. It's really quite true, leh. Like what do you mean? Okay, <laughs> cancer cells. Correct me if I'm wrong. Cancer cells, right? They do take more. They consume more sugar than your regular cells. So, so a lot of people are saying if you do eat more sugar, you are more likely to get cancer. Oh, ben is nodding his head. Oh. Yeah, let's I'm go. Uh, <laughs> let's go, doctor. Please educate yeah. us. I, oh my I, God. I, 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 this, this one is uh, 
difficult question to answer purely because we don't have all the facts in front of us. Okay. But, but what is quite clear is that it is not a singular factor. If cutting off sugar will kill cancer, People we will. would have been able to solve the cancer problem probably a lot earlier. Yeah? Mm. Uh, but there's no doubt that there are a few things that drive cancers forward, right? And sugar is maybe one of the entities that can drive cancer forward. But sugar is also an important essence for life to go forward, right? So it's, 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 if it's, just, it's just too simplistic to say, I'm going to cut off sugar, no more starch in my life. Uh, <laughs> you have no energy to carry on. Yeah. Uh, it's impossible to say that I'll do all that and the cancer will stop growing because in reality, it yeah. doesn't. Wait, the main function of sugar is energy. Oh, she's, she's digging deeper. <laughs> yes. <laughs> just asking, just asking. Okay, okay, so we cannot totally cut off sugar at all. If not, is yeah. there still a reason to live? Everything in moderation, Jones. <laughs> okay, what about food that prevent cancer? Say like uh, GMOs. Oh, you know these websites, they always love like Women's Weekly, they'll be like, superfoods to yeah, be very smoothie yeah. and then like you can lower your risk. Okay. Any truth in that? So, so, so again, the answer <laughs> is that there probably is truth in in everything that you're saying, mm. except that it's not a singular yeah. solution. It's not a panacea. Yeah. It, it, it is no singular solution. A lot of people look, uh, do observational studies and at one stage was asking the question, why the Italian men seem to have less incidence of prostate cancer compared to the rest of the Europeans where prostate cancer is steadily rising? Because... Oh, you got an explanation <laughs> for the doctor. <laughs> no, wait, why? It's something in their diet. Yeah, so, so they felt oh. that there was garlic. something that they... No, not garlic. Pasta. Well, like garlic, we win already. Huh? Tomatoes. Tomatoes. Yes. Hey. Actually, it was oh, the tomatoes. Are. So mm. what happened was because they eat so much of pasta uh, with the tomato sauce and it must be cooked tomatoes and there was an entity called lycopene in there and it must be activated by cooking. All right? And they felt that that could be a reason why their prostate cancer incident was lower. Okay. And that went wildfire for a while. And uh, Everyone should start ordering tomatoes. Bolognese pasta is the cure. No, no, no. no. <laughs> Before you know, obviously, as in everything in life, lycopene becomes a, a oral supplement right. that people can uh, take, right? Mm. right? Everyone and wants to add lycopene yeah, on their But uh, that prostate cancer continues to rise in, in the rest <laughs> of the world. It, I, I'm not saying that it's... That, that, that there is no link. Everything is interrelated. Mm. It's just that when you find one, you realize that it's just part of a network of interactions with a lot of other factors. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we clearly don't have all the answers. We can only give general things like let, eat less sugar. I think eat less sugar is good because mm. what is quite clear is the rise in obesity is clearly linked to mm. the rise in cancer. Okay. And oh. if supposing we can cut down on sugar and reduce the rise in obesity, that will cut down cancer. I think that is a very plausible link. I was not expecting the photo to be like, I didn't know you lie on your side. Oh, yeah, yeah. Don't you just bend down like... Yeah, I thought it would yeah. be like a downward oh, down. Bend, bend down is for social reasons. Huh? Yeah, I caught you off guard <laughs> with that one. Stop right there. Are you forgetting something? Seems like you're forgetting to hit like, share and... The notification bell and subscribe yeah subscribe to her <laughs> she back to the one. episode we haven't solved many chronic illness problems 
it's like we give general advice, tell people go and exercise, please eat wisely. Um, it may reduce the incidence of diabetes, but it ha- doesn't stop people from getting diabetes. And the same thing for high cholesterol, mm. etc. Mm. So it, it's, it's, a, it's just to understand that many diseases are polygenic. That means many causes. Yeah. And sometimes you just need that, 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 that perfect storm to come together before it, the process is initiated. Yeah. And some people may have susceptibility to get these diseases, whether it's cancer or any other disease. So it could be the genes, it could be the genes interacting with the environment, etc. And that's why we don't have the answer to how <laughs> to stop something. Okay. Is that why you, like anecdotally, some people have said like, oh, my grandmother smokes cigarettes all the way until she's 90 years old, but then, then this never get lung cancer. But then this guy like smoked for five years and then he got lung cancer. Oh, oh someone friends who, voice them lower. No, <laughs> someone who that, doesn't like. even smoke, right, might also get lung mm, cancer. Yeah, so it's yeah. that whole perfect storm thing you're talking about. Yeah, in, in fact, uh, the, the most common cancer amongst women where they have this particular mutation where they are able to take tablets for, usually occurs in people who don't smoke. Okay. Yeah. So smoking actually causes another type of cancer and these type of cancers are usually not so responsive or may not even be responsive to this form of targeted therapy. So it just tells you that, that in the lung cancer field itself where there are many types of lung cancer, the causation seems to be different too. Yeah. Yeah, but I, we just don't <laughs> have all we just don't have all the answers. I've heard it in passing, I've heard the explanations before, but could you like just very quickly like kind of help define like what's the difference between a stage one, stage two, stage three, stage four? Oh yeah, in fact there's also stage zero. Is there such thing? That too, okay. I guess. <laughs> sure. So so again very simplistic term because yeah. uh, it, it really is different between all the cancers. So stage zero is when it's not truly cancer. So these are the things that we hope to find through screening. So for example, when you have a scope and you find a, 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 a growth that's still benign called polyp, some people call that stage zero. So as the stages go up, the, 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 the cancer becomes a bit more serious. So in general terms, stage one is where the cancer comes from is still where it is. So if it's in a colon, then hopefully still in the colon. Mm -hmm. Stage two is it's a bit more serious in the colon, but not anywhere else. So still remains Mm. in the colon. And it's not the size, but uh, we don't need to go into that. Mm. So stage three is when it has gone into the surrounding structures, like for example, the lymph nodes that is uh, draining the colon. And obviously stage four is when it has gone beyond even all this. All right. So, so in simplistic terms, stage one and stage two cancer is you are in Singapore. <laughs> stage three is you are at the causeway and stage four is you are already in JB or even beyond. Uh, you went to Europe already. Uh, yeah. yeah, so. And in stage four, I mean, like it's in this day and age, I don't know whether it's my impression because of TV and stuff, la, but it's stage four. A death sentence. Okay, so, so, so <laughs> again, uh, I'm going to broadly classify a few things. Mm. There are... Stage four is that the aim of treatment remains curative. Ooh. That means even though you have stage four, the treatment is to try and aim for a cure. Then there are stage four where it is unlikely you're going to get a cure. Another group. And then finally, you get certain cancers where it may be stage four and there is a still a chance for a cure. But you don't start out saying, we are going to cure you. Yeah. Are there any like common signs or symptoms, right? of like cancer let's say if I gonna a very bad headache right 
dogs, for example, then most likely cancer. to get <laughs> most likely cancer. Web then MD <laughs> personified. I also don't what, what MD. Can- Every time I search, I got, I got a bit of flu, right? I search, I then can they tell me got, I got cancer. You may I have cancer. May have cancer. You may. Then I, I only visited at that thing at the top for the whole day. I'm like, oh my god. You know, we lived through the time when. Uh, when uh, one of the sexually transmitted disease was called the greater mimicker of the illnesses or diseases. We now know that in the 20th century, 21st century, sorry, mm. um, cancer has probably now taken that role. It is mm. probably one of the greatest, it is the greatest mimicker of disease. The symptoms become more serious. The cancer is already not in an early stage. Right. Mm. Yeah. So headaches can be a presentation of cancer. A cough can be presentation of cancer. Backache can be a presentation of cancer. Well, after a night of drinking, the next day you have a headache because you are sleeping on a hard floor. Your back hurts like mad, and because you aspirated your alcohol in the lungs, you're coughing. <laughs> you know, no. I'm sorry. You know, it 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 is very it it is non-specific. Mm. There are certain things that makes things a bit more specific. So, for example. If there's a lump in the breast, it needs to be investigated. Yep. But mm. even then, there's every chance it's not cancer, right? Uh, it can be a benign lump. Speaking of lump in the breast, right? I have this funny story. Quick one, quick one. So <laughs> one day, right? Uh, I think back in JC, I had like, after showering, right, then I felt like this is lump in my breast. Then I panicked. And it was quite, it was a little bit painful mm. and uh, it's quite a little bit hard also. So I panicked. I went to I ran to my mom's room, right? Then I said, mommy, then I'll be crying already. Mommy, can you? Can you touch my breast and see whether can, you can feel the lump? I think I got cancer. So then she panicked. She's she trying to maintain her mom kind of yeah. composure. Yeah, composure. No, I don't, don't think too much. I help you, I check. Then she pressed, she felt it. Then she's like, then she's like crying also. <laughs> <laughs> then we're like, Tema, it's okay. We go get it checked right, right now. So I went for a scan. Uh, then yeah. it was just a benign. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just a wow, yeah, scary shit. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, it, it, it's, it, it's because it, it is so non-specific and therefore one of the natural solutions to try to prevent cancer is screening. But when do we screen? Like you say, by the time you have some symptoms, right, it's too late already. Yeah, so sc- then how? Yeah, screening is really at a point where you're asymptomatic and you're trying to screen for common cancers. It's right? like a regular checkup. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah, so, so they're, they're, they're common cancers, right? right. Because uh, there are gazillion sort of cancers and you can't screen for all cancers and therefore for bang for buck you should be screening for cancers that are more common okay so for example women number one cancer we all know breast cancer number two cancer colon cancer Mm. right men number one cancer colon cancer Mm. now number two is prostate cancer but there are other issues the screening test must mustn't be too inconvenient must be acceptable, must not be too expensive, and must pick up things when it's supposed to pick up things. Nah, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, it needs to balance quite a lot. Yeah, so, so there are many <laughs> factors involved in screening. And therefore, with all these, with this very complicated equation, screening, while it's highly recommended, isn't always done. Yeah. So like so I leave, I recently did like a blood test and it was it was very extensive. I had everything to do, my, my lipids, my like diabetes yeah. checkup and everything. And then towards the end it was like cancer markers and I was wondering like how accurate is this? Because I, I know it checked for I think like pancreatic like, prostate and all this. But it seems like how huh, it's just like a drop of blood, not a drop, like, but like a vial of blood can check for all of these these things. 
So generally speaking is cancer markers truly only play a role when the cancer is diagnosed. There are some cancer markers that are used in screening, but in the context of a person who is susceptible to cancer. But if you are otherwise well going for screening, uh, the, the role of cancer markers to, for the screening of cancer is controversial. And at the present moment, actually not recommended. So, so then when <laughs> we talk about regular screening, what does that look like then? Yeah, so, 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 so the, the cancer screening is actually very specific. Right. Um, so if you are 30 years old walking into a clinic, there's technically, there is technically no cancer screening for you. Yeah. Right. There's technically no cancer screening for you. Sc- currently, the screening, ca- the, the cancers that we're screening for would be, like I told you, common cancer. So colon cancer is common and, and mm. that's recommended screening. And mm. while there are many screening, types of screening t- Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Yes, the most cost-effective screening test is checking the stool for blood that cannot okay. be seen right so it's called uh-huh. stool or called blood okay? okay so yeah shit is right yeah so yeah so so in any case so th- at this point the recommendation is for men and women over 50 uh, 50 years and above to undergo this particular screening so it's done once a year for every year right for every year um, and uh, if there is blood detected um, then subsequent investigations will be recommended. And in this day and age, it will be a, will be a scope. Generally, it's a scope. It's called a colonoscopy, a scope of the colon. Up the bomb, sorry. <laughs> oh, my God. But uh, the, the, the problem with this screening is, while it's simple, it's easy to do. It, it's quite easy to do. I mean, the kit looks a bit complicated, but once you've done it, you've done it, right? Mm. Now, if it's negative, people need to remember that it is a yearly test. Okay. Many people, once they do it, when they are 50 years old, oh, no blood, uh, I can't get colon cancer. And then mm. they never repeat the test again, right? And, and then before, you know, three years later, they find that they have colon cancer. And it's like, I did that test three years ago, there was no blood, said no colon cancer. And the reason why this test is done repetitively is because it re- requires the tumour to bleed before you can detect it. Then it's already... And sometimes, no, no, and sometimes the tumour... Doesn't bleed. doesn't bleed when you're collecting the, the, the sample. Simple, and yeah. that's why you do it regularly to try, try and make sure that you can catch the chance. If the tumour yeah. bleeds, then you detect it. Yeah, I want to ask a stupid question, fast one. Promise. So, right, <laughs> the test for colon cancer, right, the scope, right, you need to go through the butt, correct? The then anus. There's no other way. Correct, there's no <laughs> other way. Then what if, do you have like very awkward patients who like, I cannot, very uncomfortable, don't touch my butt, but... <laughs> they want to check for cancer. Colonoscopy, which is a scope of the colon, is uh, one of the ways to screen too, right? Because if you put a scope in there, you don't see anything, then generally at this point, your next scope can be the next five years or 10 years, mm. right? But then 
there are problems with people who don't want their butt to be touched. <laughs> which is I what knew it, said. Jared. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, yeah. I'm totally fine with my butt being touched. Uh, but yeah. I haven't tried before. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Until the finger is... Uh, no, in no, 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 no. Okay, okay. Okay, so... so so it's it's Might not like it. it's the whole it, 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 there's a prep process obviously the the the, the bowel needs to be prepped to make sure that it is clean before the scope goes up. There's no point putting a scope up when it's filled with uh, uh, shit. Yes, shit, right? How okay. to clean? Douche. Douche. Yeah. On you do yourself. Okay. Uh? No. We we know it's much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so actually is usually oral. It is actually oh, oral oh, yeah. Not like so carry it out. Yeah. So that's what laxatives are for. Yeah, so so <laughs> they, they, they usually the bowel needs to be cleaned by oral laxative where by the time you are ready for the scope, the stuff that's coming out from the from your last poop practically looks like urine. It, oh. it needs to be as clean as that, right? And that process can be quite tedious for for people. And for older people, it can sometimes be quite tough, right? So, so yeah, I, I won't fancy an 80-year-old um, gentleman or, or lady going through a, a bowel prep that way. But in order for, for a, a good scope, you do need bowels to be clean, right? Mm. And everybody who has done the first scope, because most people are asleep for the scope, they won't remember the scope. They will only remember that it was really tough to get the bowel prep done. Wow. So and there's no, that, there's no, there's no, there's no residual pain. No, no, no. Uh, uh-huh. Some bowel preps require you to drink anything between two to three liters of a particular... Uh, like uh, uh, solution uh, or something. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it, it is a solution. So, so, so there are certain bowel preps that you, that, that you can drink lesser, uh, but still, there is, it is the whole going to the toilet... 10, 15 times oh. that, that tires people out. 15 right. times? You need to clear the bowels. Yeah, that wow, that's right. a yeah. complete yeah. cleanse. Eh? No, no, yeah. So I was reading uh, Reddit, my best friend. Um, <laughs> so a lot of the men, they are concerned with getting screen, getting screenings for uh, prostate cancer because you have to do the scope thing. And then I think their biggest fear is getting stimulated and accidental ejaculation. <laughs> what? <laughs> They scared no, they like kill basically. Yeah, they scared they like. They or like they just very The G spot is in the. It's true. It's in true. The I don't ask me why I know that, but like yeah. No, then what are some <laughs> methods that doctors use right to assure the patients? Look. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so first and foremost, prostate cancer screening remains controversial in this part of the world. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, uh, so it's not like uh, it is. It is recommended, right? It's not unrecommended, but it's not recommended. I, I mean, at the present moment, it, it, we are still mm. there. There are more questions than answers. Right. Okay. All right, so that's one. Okay. Number two is that the, if you do undergo prostate cancer screening, it is a blood test. Oh. All right, it is a blood test first, right? Okay. So there is no. Ready light to me. Yeah, there's no ejaculations, no etc. Okay, so it is a blood test, and the blood test is called PSA. Okay, or prosthetic specific uh, antigen. And if it is elevated, then you can then consider checking to see whether you have prostate cancer. The blood test doesn't confirm that you have prostate cancer. Wait, wait, wait. CN. Yes, this, yes. this news, you see the picture? No, I don't know. Yeah, so technically the screening is the, is, is the PSA, right? So if it's elevated, then some doctors at this point would. Put their, I mean, would do a rectal examination to feel the prostate, uh, but most of the time these examination will be unremarkable, 
unless the, the, the blood test is really sky high, then it almost always confirm cancer already. Uh-huh. Right? But usually it's elevated, but it doesn't confirm cancer. Right. And therefore, in the mm. past, for this group of people, um, they would see a specialist in this area where sometimes uh, uh, ultrasound or the prostate can be done and sometimes they will go for biopsies. And the biopsies is done through the mm. rectum. So they'll mm. get like a little bit of a sample. Mm. Tissues, yes. Tissues, yeah, okay. But in this day and age now, uh, the MRI has come in as an uh, as uh, as one of the tests beforehand. Mm. So if you have a blood test and the physical examination doesn't really show anything remarkable, generally at this point, uh, most doctors will recommend doing a scan of the prostate to see whether there are suspicious lesions. Yeah, I and anybody who gets uh, examination uh, finger put up the bum just to examine the prostate, I don't think will get aroused and ejaculate. I was not expecting the photo to be. <laughs> I didn't know you lie on your side. Oh, yeah, yeah. Don't you just bend down like? Yeah, I thought it would yeah. be like a downward. Oh, down. bend, bend down is for social reasons. No, no, no. It's always by the side. Huh? 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 Real one, uh, or what? No, 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 no. We never ask no. someone to bend down and pick so, up a sure soap. TV has completely yeah. like... Yeah, you completely missed the joke. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, sorry, sorry. I didn't catch that. Yeah. Yeah. So uh. when, you, when you learn... I mean, I'm sure <laughs> like with similar fields, you had to... Before you specialized, you had to learn about ca- all cancers, right? Did they teach you in medical school how to do a prostate exam? Like with a dummy or anything like that? <laughs> Or just a just a dummy uh-huh. of the thing. Yeah. Okay, I don't know whether they are dummies nowadays, but uh, without sounding a bit ancient, in my time is the first prostate exam is on a real person. Oh, it's on a real person. Like a volunteer or a patient? No, no, no. Obviously, obviously okay. a patient. Uh, yeah. Did he know? He went. What you mean? Obviously, he's aware. Like you just you, you follow lah. It's like a ride along, but with a real doctor. No, it's no, like no, this no. is my first time. No. Like, what, what, what? no, no, no. Okay. Oh my God. Oh, like the students like, we, just, like <laughs> pair up and then. We we are always forever grateful to our patients that allow us to be where we are now. So, okay. So first of all, you do your due diligence by making sure you read up first how it's done, what you're yeah. hoping to feel, and everything else, right? But invariably, is the most senior doctor will do the examination first, first, and then the, this particular doctor will be asking the patient and say, "Actually, I have a student with me, and uh, if you don't mind, uh, do you think you can allow the patient, uh, this student, to examine your prostate too?" So, if the, obviously, if the patient says no, uh, then that's it. Right? Yeah. But if the patient yeah. does say yes. That's where we learn to do our prostate exam. The, the, the first time doing it, what, what was it like? <laughs> doing what? Doing what? <laughs> you always remember I, your first clear, time. Yeah. I, I'm, I, I, I'm going to say I don't remember the first time. but um, He's done so know, many already. You know? <laughs> we still talking about yeah, prostate but, exam. But the, the, the first prostate examination I did was someone already with prostate cancer. Okay. Right? So it's unmissable. Okay. Right? Mm. Yeah. It is, but the, the, the truth is, your clinical skills are picked up by examining normal things. You must know what normal is before you examine something abnormal. Uh, baseline. Yeah. Okay. And uh, yeah, so, so that's where it really is useful. But yes, my first prostate examination was already someone with prostate cancer. So my mom has uh, had stage four 
colon cancer, right? Like uh, maybe two years ago, she recovered two years ago. Then uh, since her diagnosis, right? All my aunties, my uncles, they all went to check. They was they, they were damn scared because it's like possibly they might get right because genes or something. Yeah. Okay, so so that if I can divide the colon cancer into two types, and it's it's very simplistic because it's not two types, yeah. There is a colon. There are colon cancers that are highly. Uh, I mean, that they are driven by single genes. That means if you have this gene, the chance of you getting colon cancer is going to be very high. Okay. All right. And then there are the usual colon cancers where there are many genes coming together, make friends, and then together they cause uh, cancer. Mm. The large majority of colon cancers are the second type, mm. right? But there are some genes that if you have this particular gene, your risk of colon cancer is going to be very high, right? I'm sure your mother doesn't have this gene. Yeah. But what happened is that your mother has the other type where she already has one or two of these friends, mm. right? But they hasn't. But then the other friends all came together, interact together, and then she cannot this cancer. Her brother and sisters may have these genes too, but they may not have met the other friends and oh. therefore they won't get colon cancer. I suppose that's a way to, I see, to I say see. it. The gene but, friends, in case you but if, I'm sure it was tested for your mother because it's a routine test that's done now. Mm. If, your, if your mom's tumour was tested to have this particular genetics m- mutation, which will lead to a high risk of colon cancer for her, mm. and, and that's why she can yeah. have colon cancer, this gene is often a hereditary gene. So if she has this gene... The doctor would have told us. If she has this gene, then all first-degree relatives, that means uh, up, and down. side, and down. Uh-huh. That means up parents, side siblings, Brothers, and down, meaning children, technically will have a, 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 a risk of getting this gene. It's actually, I mean, whatever, it's a 50% wow. chance of getting okay. this gene. But if you get this gene then the chance of you getting colon cancer is in the numbers, uh, is in the, is anything, in your whole lifetime is 70 to 80%. Wow. Huh? Okay. okay, but hypothetical, say okay. really have. Then yes. they tell us like, hey, you better go and get checked. And I check, really have, then um, what can what I do, do yeah, to prevent myself from getting colon cancer? You then test your gene and you're uh. like, oh gosh, I have the mommy's gene, yeah. not yeah. daddy's one. That right. means you can, uh, yeah. yeah. So if you cannot this particular gene, uh, then the risk of colon cancer is high. Oh. Um, most people will recommend screening for colon cancer. And if you get colon cancer, the screen will pick it up early, then surgery can be done, and hopefully then you will not get colon cancer again. Right? Okay, okay now the... The not so good news is that the screening requires yearly to two yearly scopes for wow. the rest of your life, right? Mm. Yeah. I think because I remember like the day she got diagnosed, the doctor came back came to us, right? Um, uh, it was quite bad to the extent where her cancer has spread to her liver, her yes. spleen, and so also some shadowing in her lungs. Mm. So it was really quite bad. And I think my question here is, uh, how do you determine how long has this person? How long more has this person? How long more can this person live for? Like, what is that? Because the doctor came back to us and told us, like, I can't remember. I think it was five months or something. Oh, then wow. we were so devastated. We were like, what? <laughs> yeah. Then my dad cried. It was so bad. Yeah. But how do we know? Like, I watched a lot of movies also, and then they just say, mm, one more year. But how? What's the math? 
Uh, <laughs> 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 oh really? Uh? Okay, so Presidents. it's probably. Uh, yeah, so 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 there are again many factors involved in that, how that number comes about. Uh, I I think it is fair to see, to say data obviously first starts the the the, the benchmark, mm. right? The other part that comes in is obviously uh, there's some degree of experience obviously involved in the doctor, and then at the end of the day, it's really how bad is that cancer? So stage four could be somebody who, from the colon, it has gone everywhere. It has affected both the lungs. It has affected the liver, and the lungs already difficulty breathing. The liver is about to fail. They have water in the tummy. That's stage four. And stage four could also be where you have the colon, and there's one small two-centimeter spot in the liver, and nowhere else. That's mm-hmm. also stage four, right? So because it's such a... Pardon my... My, 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 my very team it's such a heterogeneous group really it's it's such a it's wide it's homogeneous yeah, so, yeah not damn. homogeneous it's so clever yeah. Okay. yeah so because it's such a there's such a wide variety of people in there mm. you, 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 you you can't really actually predict mm. but someone who is already coughing away uh breathless, oxygen level low, liver is failing, you won't even say six months. You'll probably say weeks, you know what I mean? Mm. Right? And conversely, mm. like someone with a dot in the liver will probably have more than months. Right? More than months. So, mm. with that, you just need to give an average. Okay, but speaking of like, delivering, doc- bad, news. delivering bad news, right? Yeah. How do you have like, do doctors have like some sort of training that you all go through <laughs> to help to learn how to, you know, talk to your patients. Yeah, I, I think in the past, uh, there is a certain mentoring process. So you see what your seniors are doing and then you sort of learn from it. So it's a bit like grandfather, gre- teach son, son. I mean, grandfather, teach father, father, teach son sort of process, right? Mm. And then sometimes you will either learn the wrong thing or you might learn not to be that person. So, for example, someone who comes and says, I bad news, you have stage 4 cancer, you only have 4 months and then walks off. So, with the whole traditional way of this kind of learning, there are actually formal lessons that we now uh, put doctors through to try and improve communication. So, whether it's about, not just bad news, it's about communication, communicating diseases per se. We are trying to use less jargon we are more ready to admit that we really don't know everything. Mm. Um, but uh, breaking bad news often, there, there actually isn't a perfect way to break bad news, mm. right? So uh, sometimes you just need one person to be the chao nang or the bad person <laughs> and the next one is always going to be better, right? I, I, I'm sure on a day-to-day, you like your reading the, the latest research papers and seeing like all the different advances, like what can we expect in the future that has promising signs in terms of combating cancer, if any? Yeah, I think, I think that, you know, uh, uh, we, we, go through, we go through periods of wonderful harvest and then, then there'll <laughs> be periods where nothing seems to be happening, right? So when from nothing and then chemotherapy and radiotherapy mm. came to the fore for cancer, that was a time of growth. 
But then we started realizing that radiation has its issue, chemo has its issue. Then there is this, there is this equal. You after a while you settle down to this level of, at least there's something. Mm-hmm. The next rise we started having were more targeted options, whether it's it's targeted therapy or even hormonal therapy, and that led to some excitement and then realization that we are not going to still cure cancer when it's advanced stage, but what we can do is to prolong life and along with that quality of life. And that sets a certain expectation. The last excitement we had, really, really exciting, was immunotherapy. You know, mm-hmm. where you know people even hovering thought that that's the panacea, right? And now we have this new level, we settled down to this level and realized it does work wonders for certain cancers, but there are cancers that are essentially not immunosensitive. Mm. But all these little steps are giant steps when you can go back and look at the past, right? And uh, we continue to make, we continue to improve. The, the, the problem though is expectations, right? People expect cancer to be cured. Understand. Yeah. We have come to the end of the episode. Uh, once again, thank you Pfizer for sponsoring us and thank you Dr. Ben very, for very being a wonderful guest. Amazing conversation. Thank you so much. I hope we have gained a better understanding about cancers and the available uh, screenings and can better help to raise awareness. Bye-bye! <laughs> one, of, one of our co-hosts has a theory, John Paul. He says that the cure of the cancer has already been discovered and people are just hiding hey, it. Hey, it's my theory. He took so, my theory. So that, so that people keep on getting treated and that keeps the healthcare industry alive. Yeah, like, I, 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 I'm sure the same can be applied for people with diabetes, the people with high cholesterol, uh, who have to take their tablets every day or in, inject insulin because we have already found a cure, but we've kept it nicely <laughs> hidden in our national reserves <laughs> where we don't know how much is in there. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.